This morning, the scripture is found in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verses 19 through 24. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. This is the word of our Lord. Thank you. You can have a seat as we get started this morning. Keep your Bibles out to Hebrews chapter 10. <clears throat> That's where we're going to be this morning, Hebrews chapter 10. I'm excited to jump in um, to that with you. Last week we started a series called Measures, and we're going to be continuing in that. And this, this series is something that we've settled on as leadership of the church um, for what we consider someone who is a follower of Jesus. This is what we do uh, routinely. But I want to share um, what you'll see on the screen. This is our um, mission, our values, our strategy, and then obviously our measures. But I want to remind you of these as Jerry walked through them last week. The mission of this church is and, and, and has been and will continue to be to exalt Christ, see him transform lives, and then um, take what he's done in our hearts to embrace a community. Um, as we do that, we value Jesus over everything. We value heart change that leads to life change, and we will put others before ourselves. And we say that the strategy of making disciples here is someone who discovers God, who then belongs to community, whether that's a life group, whether it's a group of people that you don't call yourselves a life group, but you meet, it's a one-on-one -on -one accountability. You belong to community, you serve, and then you go, whether that's the, the nations or your neighbor. And then this is how you measure whether or not you are walking closely with Christ, is that you look up, you look across, you look in, you look around, and you look out. And later this year, we will be um, rolling out a spiritual assessment that will go to our church, and it'll be an opportunity for all of us as members of Grace Community Church to look at uh, where we are in our walk with Christ based on our measures here. And this morning, we're going to be looking at what it looks like to daily see if your life reflects the Spirit of God. We are looking up to God daily and looking at oneself daily for a life that reflects the Spirit. And as we jump in, if you were with us last week or if you weren't, I'm going to kind of recap what Jerry said. And it was this, that we have confidence. We have cheerful courage. As a follower of Jesus, we have confidence to enter the presence of God because of what Jesus did. Before um, Jesus came, there was a curtain that, that separated God's presence and separated God's people. And Jesus himself became that curtain. When the curtain of the temple at the time was split in two, Jesus then was essentially the curtain that was, that was shed, that was ripped apart so that you and I could then access the presence of God. And with that being the case, I want to share this morning that we, as the writer of Hebrews says, must hold fast to our confession. So we have three truths this morning, and here's the first one, what our confession is. 
what our confession as followers of Jesus, what it actually is. The word confession is used six times in the New Testament, and it always refers to what you and I believe. What we actually believe, you may have heard of a, a confession of faith, or perhaps you come from a, a denomination or a background that's more liturgical, and, and you recite confessions or, or creeds every week in worship. We have a confession of faith, and before I jump into what our confession is, I think it's helpful to see what our confession of faith is not. As followers of Jesus and as a church, our confession of faith is not traditions, It's not those things that we've simply always done. That's not our confession of faith. Our confession of faith is not convictions. Those things that maybe we hold dear, but everyone who is a believer doesn't necessarily hold that same viewpoint. That's not a confession. Our confession is not our preferences, what we like or don't like. Our confession isn't politics. Where we fall there, our confession of faith is the core of what we believe, and it is the gospel of Jesus. That's the confession that we hold. The gospel is that I am so sinful, Jesus had to die for me, yet I am thankfully so loved that he was glad to die for me. Let me unpack that statement for a moment. We are all born into sin. That is not something that in our culture we want to hear. I don't think anybody wants to to wake up and hear you're inherently not good. But guess what? We're born into sin. That's not popular, not just in our culture. That's not popular in some churches. There are are pastors and, 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 and other church leaders who will try to bypass this idea that we aren't good. But guess what? The Bible talks often about our sinfulness. This is what separates liberal and conservative theologians. What separates us is the idea of our sin. We don't want to believe that we are sinners. But guess what? We are. We are Jesus, however, though, is the only possible sacrifice for our sins. And that will separate theologians because our culture wants to believe that there are many ways to God. There are many doors that you can go through to get to heaven and to get to God. But there is a problem with that is that either Jesus is the only door or he is not the door at all. Because in John 14, 6, you probably know this verse. Jesus said, I am the what? The way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only possible sacrifice. Either it's Jesus or it's not. He can't be one of many. We are sinful, but yet we are also loved. And look at verse 20, or the verses leading up to verse 23, 19 through 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living curtain that he opened for us, through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The one statement can summarize these verses. We are so sinful that Jesus had to die for us. We have an evil conscience. But we are so loved that he was glad to by, the, by his blood and by the new and living way through his flesh. 
If you're interested in knowing more about what we believe as a church, you, you may have been coming here for years or hopefully maybe today is your first day here. You can go to our website, graceforall.org, and then you can go to the beliefs page and, and you can read through, and I would encourage you to do that. Read through what we believe as a church, what we hold fast to, and that's the second truth this morning, how, how we hold it. How do we hold our confession? We see what our confession is, but the second thing is how do we hold it? The writer says, let us hold fast. This word means to keep secure, to keep a firm hold on this, this idea of, of just gripping so tightly. Jesus said in Luke 18, 15, as for, as for that in the good soil, they are those hearing the word and hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. And Paul writes, now I would remind you brothers of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and you stand by which you are being saved. If you hold fast, firm grip, to the word I preached to you. I've got a two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old son, and he um, is an amazing little boy, grows taller every day, gets smarter every day. He's like two going on 13, you know? And um, he, I don't know why I do this, but he is a daredevil to the core. He will, he would, if he was up on the stage, he'd try to jump off of it. He has this little slide that we bought for him a couple of Christmases ago. He calls it, I love it, he calls it his sliding board. But it's, he's got a slide, and he will climb to the top of it and jump onto the couch. Sometimes, I don't know if he's trying to do a flip, but he almost gets there. And he, he will do anything, but for some reason, if I pick him up and like turn him like we're going to fly or like turn him upside down, he hates it. And I don't know why I do it day in and day out, but like he hates it. But he, he, he does something and he, he can't say his L's real well. So he'll say, he'll say, daddy, I don't yike that. That's what he'll say. He, he doesn't care for it. But here's what happens when I pick him up and start to turn him. Like the moment I start to just tilt, his hands lock into my arms. If we haven't cut his, his fingernails in a while, like it brings blood. Like it, it, he will lock on. And here's what he's thinking in his mind as he's, as he, he'll never say no, but after it's over, he's like, I didn't care for that. But as he's holding on, I know what he's thinking. He's thinking this, if you drop me, I'm not going to let go. Though I don't plan to, don't want to drop him, he is not going to let go. That is holding fast. That is holding fast with a, a grip so tightly that doesn't matter what happens, I'm holding on to this. It's, it's holding fast without wavering. It's unmoved. It's not leaning. That's what it means to hold fast. But I have a, a concern that we can often hold fast to those things I mentioned earlier. Traditions, preferences, convictions, politics. We can hold fast to things that will eventually waver. And there is no human being that will hold us fast because eventually they will fail. You cannot hold fast to any political movement. You can't hold fast to any politician and also hold fast to Jesus. You can't. There's no way, if you were, were devastated this past year when, when Donald Trump lost, then you weren't holding fast to Jesus. And if you uh, shed tears of jubilant joy when Biden won 
you weren't holding fast to Jesus. Holding fast to Jesus means you can't hold fast to anything else. You cannot hold fast to anything that wavers without also wavering. Traditions, guess what? They'll come and go. The songs that we sang this morning, Waymaker, Cornerstone, Battle Belongs, those songs 50 years ago weren't written, which means that 50 years from now, we probably won't sing those. Traditions come and go. Convictions, they'll, they'll change. I had convictions about what I thought parenting should look like until I had, until I had a kid. And then I'm like, no, you can't do that, okay? <laughs> they'll come and go. Preferences, they'll change constantly. Politics, they're, they're like a, a ship in, in a stormy sea. Those things are going to change. But you cannot hold fast to something that wavers without wavering too. And many of the biblical writers had much to say about this, particularly in the Psalms. David in Psalm 18 wrote this in verses 1 and 2. He said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord, not anything else, hear this. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Let me read those words again. Rock, fortress, deliverer, rock, refuge, shield, salvation, stronghold. And that all referred to God. He wrote, he wrote again in, in Psalm 62, 1 and 2. These are perhaps two of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. He says, for God alone. This is Psalm 62, 1 and 2. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He, one more time, alone is my rock, my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. The phrase get greatly shaken there doesn't mean that you won't be turned upside down. It just means you won't be devastated when you hold fast to Jesus. Then Jesus himself in the New Testament had something to say about this. Matthew 7, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And then Jesus says this, if anyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, they'll be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house. And the fall of it was great because it wasn't built on something unmovable. But there are things that you and I hold fast to that, that will waver. Good things. Our spouse, children, money, career, education, health, all of those things are good. You might say, Adrian, do you insist that, that I can't hold fast to these things? I would say yes. They are important, but they're not ultimate and they will fail. We can't hold fast to something that wavers without wavering too. And then lastly, we see this, why we can hold fast. See what our confession is? How do we hold it? And then lastly, why we can hold fast. It says in verse 23, for he who promised is faithful. Let's just take a moment and praise and thank God for his faithfulness. That's who he is. When your health begins to decline, God is faithful. When you lose your job, God is faithful. When your child runs away from home when they turn 18 and, and never want to come back to you, God is faithful. And when everything in your life is great, God is still faithful. 
Let's remember that. He can't help but to be faithful. That's who he is. God is faithful. And it says, he who promised is faithful. Look at Hebrews 3. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful. Realize this, we can hold fast to Jesus because he held fast. In the Garden of Gethsemane, I I remember this uh, passage out of the book of Mark, Mark 14, the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is in the garden. His time on earth is about up and the mission with which he came to earth to accomplish is, is, is within hours. And he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he begins to feel the weight of the sin of you and me and of every human being who has ever existed. He feels the weight on him to cause so much stress and anxiety that he, he begins to sweat drops of blood because he was so filled with anxiety and stress that the capillaries in his skin burst because he couldn't handle it. And in that moment, lest we think that, that, that we can just read the Bible and often skip over things like this, Jesus in that moment said, God, I don't want to go through this. I mean, who would? But then he said, Lord, not my will, but whose? Yours. See, we can often... When we get to a point where we face a dark hour in our life, forget that if Jesus, when he was in his darkest hour and in his darkest moment, if he did not leave you and me then, then he is not going to leave you and yours. If he didn't turn when he said, Father, I don't want to do this, then though you and me, or we may be going through something that is so, so tough, but he will not leave you now. We hold fast the one who is immovable and we hold fast because Jesus holds us fast. Look at Hebrews 4. Since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, we let us hold fast. There it is, our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Aren't you glad that Jesus knows what you and me go through? He's not unable to sympathize, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus sympathizes with you and me. He knows what you're going through right now because he's already faced it. Except he didn't just face it for himself. He faced it for all of humanity. He knows how you feel. He knows the struggle that is going on in your mind even right now. He knows that you are emotionally weak. And what's amazing is that when we, you and me, when our grip begins to 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 get less and less, his doesn't. He knows when our grip becomes weak and and we turn to something else besides him. And that doesn't cause him to do anything differently but continue to hold us. It was just a a few days ago, um, about a week and a half ago or so, I had a conversation 
And in that conversation, God revealed uh, to me um, something about myself that I had never dealt with. And uh, I, at the end of the conversation, went and talked to my wife, Whitney, and, and, and was, was telling her a little bit about it and said, listen, I've, I've just got to go on a drive. Like I need to, I, it, was, it was raining, so I couldn't go walk, and I just need to go and pray for a little while. And it was in the vehicle as I was driving that as I was praying and I was just, just casting cares upon God, like, God, this is how I feel. I, I, I didn't, it wasn't very churchy. Like you would think like a, some beautiful prayer. I was just saying, God, this is how I feel. Don't know why. God, this is how I feel. I can't stand this. God, this is how I feel. I constantly feel unsettled. Like I'm, I'm 33 and I can't remember a time that I wasn't like settled. And I remember in that moment of prayer and just sharing things with God, he, he revealed to me very clearly, felt the presence of God in my vehicle. It was almost as if Jesus was sitting beside me. And he said, Adrian, in your 33 years or as far back as you can remember, you have never, ever, ever been content. Because you constantly hold on to whatever is next and think it's going to bring you what only I can give you. Whether it's later that day, later that week, later that month, Later that year, 10 years from now, you, it's as if God was saying, Adrian, he was saying, you only hold fast to whatever is next. And that's why you're not content. And that's why you have felt unsettled for as long as you can remember. And in, in a good way, wrecked me. I didn't wreck the vehicle, but it wrecked me. And I'm so thankful for that. Like in God's grace, he didn't, he didn't let me stay that way. And he showed me that for however long I can remember, I've, I've, I've wanted to like hold a, a firm grip there on Jesus, but then also on something else he revealed, Adrian, you, you either have one or the other. But you can't hold fast to Jesus and hold fast to something else. And maybe this past year, year and a half, or, or coming up on a year, it, it's, it's, been a, it's been a year that, that we won't, have never experienced one like it. And maybe there have been things this year that have caused you to realize you're holding fast to something else or, or maybe, maybe you feel unsettled like I did because honestly you're holding fast to something that is wavering. And many of you have, have, have struggled this last year with so many things. And honestly, this past year, 2020 and 2021, um, I've, I found myself often just listening to worship music and singing, singing a lot of worship tunes. But there was one song that over and over, I found myself going to YouTube and pulling up because it's one of my favorite songs of all time. It probably surprised some of you. It's, it was written by Bill and Gloria Gaither. I think it was written in 1970. And over this last year, it's, it's a song that I have turned to countless times. If I could look back at my, my YouTube record, it would probably be, it would be weekly. And it's a song, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to stand and I'm going to ask you to sing it with me. You can go ahead and stand up. It's a song that goes something like this. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about 
that name. Jesus, 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 like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. And this is what we proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something about that name. Amen. Aren't you glad that we can hold fast to Jesus because he held and holds fast to us? Here's what I want to encourage you to do next before Alan Michael comes. Today or this week, I want you to to spend time in prayer And this is what I want you to ask. Maybe you know right now, but maybe it'll be some searching. I want you to pray and ask God, God, what is it that I'm holding on to that isn't you? And when he reveals that to you, the next step, this is the hardest one. This is what I had to do the whole 20 minutes, last 20 minutes of my ride and have continued to do is repent. It's one thing for God to reveal it, It was another thing to say, God, I'm sorry that I've held on to this and not been holding on to you. And though I said, I won't do it anymore. He knows, Adrian, you probably will because you're just like your two-year-old. You'll do it again. But it's a constant daily repentance that I have to do. So pray and ask God, God, what is it I'm holding on to? And then pray and repent from that. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be in this place today and allowing us to to join with other believers. And it's so good to see these people in this place worshiping you, praising you. And Lord, I ask right now that just as you did with me a week and a half ago and, and will continue to do so, Lord, I pray that as we collectively and individually talk about these things that we're holding on to with our our accountability, our life group, our spouses, Lord, I pray that you, as you reveal these things to us that we're holding on to without wavering, you would then give us strength and we would then take the initiative to repent and turn and hold fast to you. God, as you know, it's so easy for us to want to hold on to something else, but Jesus, we know that You're never going to leave us or forsake us because you promised that in your word and you didn't leave us in the garden. You're not going to leave us now. So remind us of that daily. Remind us daily, God, that we are so sinful yet so loved. And may we then rely on you in Jesus' name. Amen.